Enjoying the sounds of Memphis, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, marking our 20th year of broadcast. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation. AutoZone, parts are just part of what we do. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Covens. This week on Bill Street Caravan, Memphis garage rock icon Jack Oblivion joins us. Bill Street Caravan contributor David Les will also be with us, and he'll be beginning another installment of his series, The Memphis Beat. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Thanks for joining us again. We're just about to hear from international garage rock icon, Jack Oblivion. Jack, together with Greg Cartwright and Eric Friedel, made up the Oblivions back in the 1990s. The group was a synthesis of pure, frenetic rock and roll energy, mixed in with an attack of punk rock and fuzzed out with sounds of R.O. Burnside and Junior Kimbrough. Before their demise, the Oblivion sound had informed and inspired legions of fans and influenced bands such as the White Stripes and the Black Keys, just to name a couple. When the Oblivions called it quits, Jack Oblivion soldiered on with his singular vision of rock and roll, and he has since applied it to an endless list of solo and side projects. Fueled in recent years by his high-energy backing band, The Sheiks, Jack's shows are pure rock and roll awesomeness, and we're excited to have him on the program. Here's Jack Oblivion live on Bill Street Caravan. Turn it on. 
Listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan, celebrating our 20th year of broadcast. Here's more from Jack Oblivion, live on Bill Street Caravan.
Robinsons, our homies, Booker T and the MGs. We'll be back with more from Jack Oblivion, but right now we're going to turn it over to Bill Street Caravan contributor, David Less. David is back with us this season for another installment of The Memphis Beat. His contributions have appeared in Rolling Stone, Downbeat, Blues Review, and Memphis Magazine. He has researched Memphis music for the National Endowment for the Humanities and the Smithsonian Institute. And as former executive director of the Blues Foundation, he helped to create the radio program you're listening to right now. The Memphis Beat combines archived interviews, recordings, and David's behind-the-scenes insights to illuminate the unique characters and events that make up Memphis music history. Here's David. Today on Memphis Beat, we'll explore the rich history of piano players who played around Memphis in the 1930s. They were prevalent in the gambling joints on Beale Street and around town in African-American sections where people lived and wanted entertainment. From my 1978 interview, 
Memphis Slim explains the attraction. The women love piano playing, and wherever the women went, the people go, and that's why they had to have the piano, because the piano players set them playing, the women pop their finger, and the men are coming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the way it was. All over Memphis, piano they had a piano player named Dishray. He was a fantastic pianist. These pianists all needed to play the blues and often had nicknames like Dishrag, Turnip Greens, Boogie Woogie, and Slop Jar. Most are lost to obscurity since blues recordings from that time were usually either country blues or jug bands. Today we will hear rare recordings from Mose Vinson, who is also known as Boogie Woogie, and Booker T. Lowry, a.k.a. Slop Jar. From his 1997 recording, produced by Jim Dickinson and Knox Phillips, here's Mose Vinson with 44 Blues. was fortunate enough to produce Booker T. Lowry in the late 1970s. From our unreleased sessions at Phillips Recording Studio, Slopjar plays Rollin' and Tumblin'. As with all indigenous music from that era, everyone borrowed lyric lines and licks from the canon of traditional blues. If you listen closely, you will also hear a little bit of 44 Blues and Sleepy John Estes's Going to Brownsville.
Lord, you wring your hands, cry the whole day long. David Less for Beale Street Caravan. Next week on Memphis Beat, we will hear unreleased live recordings from the Cummins Prison Farm Band. We want to remind our listeners you can find Beale Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Go to our website at BealeStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. You can also keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but stick around. There's a lot more music to come. You're listening to The Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. 
We're back and we're with Jack Oblivion. Jack came by the studio here after his taping and we were lucky enough to get an interview out of him. Here's what Jack had to tell us. Jack, thanks for coming on the program. Oh, thanks for having me. We've been trying to get you on the program for a really long time. Events finally came together and got you uh, at DKDC. It's it's like the rock and roll bar right now. It's really small, but it got a really good vibe and a really good, really good sound, as long as you don't get too loud with the with the wood floors and the very cool paintings hanging on the wall, you know. So for someone as closely associated with Memphis music as you are, you know, and you've been in all these great bands over the years, I was surprised to learn, I've known this for years, but you're not from Memphis. You're from down the street in Corinth, Mississippi. Yeah, I'm from about, uh, it's about 100 miles away, top right-hand corner of the of the Mississippi state. I'm, I'm almost from Tennessee, but... Uh, it's literally from, right across the border. Yeah. Shallow. Other and, side of the tracks, Mississippi. Yeah. So here's the Tom T. Hall question. How'd you get to Memphis? I saw like these, this kind of glow over the trees. It's kind of like a yellowishy, reddish, bluish glow. Kind of colors would change and flicker and uh, just follow the neon light. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think, uh, no, the town I'm from is a, it's a small town and there's, there's not a college there. And, you know, when you, when you get out of high school, you're, you decide like, I'm going to move out of town or am I going to stay here and live in this town? And I, you know, I had a great, great time living there. But when I got older, I had more friends in Memphis by the time I was in uh, 12th grade, my senior year in high school. And I was like driving back and forth with the music related thing. I had a band in high school with my cousin and we had we had gigs here in Prince Mongo's Planet it was our first uh, gig that we got. And he he had us play in his uh, his planet, Prince Mongo's Planet on Front <laughs> Street. <laughs> I think it was 66 South Front. Yeah. We played there uh, every other weekend from, uh, this is like but way back in 1985, we played there every other weekend from um, June of the summer of 85 up until Halloween of 85, every other weekend. It was a, probably the most money I ever made in music <laughs> at that time. I mean, I, my pockets were loaded. I was living with my parents, and I had a part-time job in a factory in Corinth. I don't know what I did with the money, but somehow I managed just to blow it all on a, <laughs> I was just going pawn shops and just buy crap guitars. And so it was a really dull winter in a small town after that, that summer of just rocking every other weekend. And, um, so we ended up just coming here and, um, but it never was quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> and growing up in Corinth, you were childhood friends and, you know, musical collaborators with Another Bill Street Caravan artist, Jimbo Mathis, weren't you? Yeah. You know how in grade school you can have like a best friend and then after the summer the next year you still be friends with the guy, but you have a new best friend. <laughs> like just things like change really fast. But I remember in fifth grade we were, me, him, and another kid were uh, real tight friends because we were in the same class together, you know. And then, then I think years later and it's uh, around junior high, 10th grade, I had I had this <laughs> I had this double neck guitar and uh all of a sudden, I became popular because I wasn't really a very popular kid in school. It was the double neck guitar, really? I word got around the hallways. Like, I just have these random kids coming up and, uh, you know, like not even really music kids or whatever, like just some sports guy. He's like, is it true? Do you really have a double neck guitar? And I'm like, yes, it's true. That doesn't necessarily mean I can play it, you know. It's like bass on top, guitar on bottom. No kidding. And then Jimbo was like, I uh, wanted to jam with me because he heard I had a double neck guitar. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But but um, yeah, I remember Jimbo asked me to come over to his house. I think it's like tenth grade, because he wanted me to show him bar chords, and I'm showing him bar chords, and he's like, "Oh, like this?" He's like, "Yeah." He says he doesn't remember this when I talked to him about it. 
And then he picks up a banjo or mandolin or something and just starts tearing away at it. And I'm like, man, you already know how to play. And he's like, no, no, Jack, but I didn't know how to play bar chords the way you do. You know, it's like, so he was already like kind of had a music producer mind of knowing how to like, you know, get in someone's head and get the best out of them. I'm, I'm like, he's like, you're the best bar chord player. You know, like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so music, music's been, you know, part of your DNA for like a really long time. You, you were in bands as a kid and stuff. And yeah. It's, uh, you've always been at it. I got my first guitar when I was 10, I think, it, but uh, it took me two years to realize I have to really try to learn how to play it to make it sound like, uh, you know, you were thinking like, if I can get the really good guitar, then I'll be really good. It just didn't work that way, you know, and after... I think I was 12 years old. You know, I, I didn't. I never could figure out how to roller skate, which was hot ba- thing back then. And when I was a kid, and I wasn't very good at skateboard, and then I had a bad experience when I was three with in the swim pool, almost drowned, and the jaws came out, and had a fear of water, so I wouldn't go in the water. And so when summer came that year, all the kids, all my cousins and brothers, you know, we're going swimming. You know, and it's like, oh no, you're gonna pull me in the water. <laughs> Or we're going skating, like, no, you're going to drag me around, grab me by my arm, you know? It's like, <laughs> you know, I was just like the geek nerd that couldn't couldn't do anything balanced with my arms or legs, you know? And um, So it was that summer that I just, just kind of forced myself to uh, try to figure out how it worked. And the more, as time goes on, the more you learn, the more excited you get about an accomplishment and you think you're really good. And then you see somebody else play and you realize you're not that good. And so it kind of puts you, keeps putting you in your place and... It never stops, you know, like right when you think you're really good, then you go see somebody, some blues cat play, and you realize like, oh, I'm worthless. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just here in the past couple of years, I know that you and the other guys from the Oblivions reunited, put out a new record, and you did a tour. How does it feel, you know, to know that this this music that you made, you know, 20 plus years ago still resonates? Yeah, so uh, it was this is kind of a surprise to us. I mean, we knew like, uh, I guess... The, the band formed in 93 and broke up late 97, early 98, and then probably should have stopped a year before that because we'd kind of, we did a lot of records and a lot of songs and we were just, we were just out of ideas and we got back together years later and uh, we were surprised. Like we did this, I think it was an old high tone poplar and there were just lines of people all the way to the parking lot of the gas station waiting to get in and I'd say probably 80% of them were not from Memphis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the locals that showed up are used to normal late-night high-tone hours, and they show up and they can't get in because its capacity is really beyond capacity. And it was to us, it was like, good gosh, you know, it was like these silly little raunchy songs we did. Uh, they're singing, uh, it would be like 400 people singing along. To, mm-hmm. you know? In your solo career, you've been through a, you know, like a lot of sort of lineup changes and band changes. I know for, for years and years it was the tennis, Jack Oblivion and the Tennessee Tearjerkers. Now it's Jack Oblivion and the Sheiks, right? Yeah. And who are those guys? The Sheiks are, they're, they're their, in their self, their own band. And I'd played with uh, Graham before, the drummer, on one or two gigs, and Frank McLaughlin, the bass player, Bass player for me, but guitar singer in the Sheiks. Since they were their own band, I started calling it Jack and the Sheiks. I'd been calling it myself Jack, Jacko, or Jack Oblivion, and the Tearjerkers for for a while. And but the members had changed so much. Everyone has these other groups they're doing. They get caught up in other things, and so I felt like, well, you know, this is the Sheiks. This is their band. But but still, even though I say it's Jack Oblivion and the Sheiks, there's uh, Adam Woodard 
who's not in the Sheik's band, but he's in. The, he's a Sheik when he's yeah. in. He's, I guess he's I don't been know. playing with you for years. Yeah, I've been playing with years. Adam since uh, 2002. I yeah. think it is. And we just have a recent addition. You hear the saxophone. That's Seth Moody that we met this past summer. Apparently, he's he's mainly a bass player, but he plays sax really good. So that's pretty much the band right now. Well, dude, we better get back to the music. All right, let's hear some music. Just out of reach Girl on the beach My house 
I tried, but I could not.
You're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan, celebrating our 20th year of broadcast. Here's more from Jack Oblivion, live on Bill Street Caravan.
That was Jack Oblivion live on Bill Street Caravan. To find out more about Jack, find him on social media and check out his recordings on Fat Possum Records. Next time you're in town, ask around and you may even catch him live and in person. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Tennessee Tourism, and Bridging the Blues for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. 
You're just not going to find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners that you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Or keep up with us on our podcast at iTunes. Visit our website at BillStreetCaravan.com to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can find out where the caravan's going to be next. And if you can't meet us there, we'll be back right here next week, so we'll see you then. I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. (laughs) 